AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Top 28 is taking place in Dubai and methane emissions seem to be getting more attention than usual at this year's global climate gathering. Why? And should U.S. cattlemen be worried about it? We'll talk with the global leader on the topic for the those answers, and we're going to bring some more clarity to the outlook for interest rates. Live from the epicenter of everything ag and otherwise, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Dr. Frank Mitlerner from UC Davis. Then it's Dr. Vince Malanga from LaSalle Economics. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Psych. All I right, guess. Davis. Huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yes. Hey, oh, yes. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Did you just say, and now you're you okay? uh, your you're host, yeah. Chip Flory? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad. I got kicked off for a second. I'm back. No kidding. Wow. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Let me well, let me see if I get I kicked am. off. I, you know, we'll find out. No, I was just sitting now, quietly. I know it. I know it. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are here. Glad mm-hmm. that I am here for this morning's conversations. We got a blizzard uh, going there or yeah. something? Huh? Did no, a goose nothing, fly into your receiver? Nothing. Huh? Nothing? <laughs> not, not that I am aware of. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Glad that I'm here. I, I, I do know that. Um, we've it, Dr. Frank uh, Mittlerner is teaching a class as we speak. So we've already had the conversation with Dr. Frank. This, this is an important conversation. And the, the reason that I say it, that I believe that it is an important conversation is for a couple of things. At some point you are going to hear Dr. Mittlerner say, listen, you can try to sweep this under the rug. You can try to wait and think that this is an issue that is going to go away. You can do all of that, but there are some realities in place that are going to prevent that from happening. And Hmm. as a result, you better get geared up. You better understand exactly what the challenges are as the as the cattle industry. Uh, Anything to do with a bovine. So we're talking beef and dairy as the cattle industry moves forward in figuring out how emissions, methane emissions are, number one, going to be captured. And number two, going to be reduced. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's an interesting conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Mittlerner here, but you know, only about a uh, half an hour ago. But yeah. well, um, yeah. And the 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 thing is, what they're what they're talking about. If you're if you're just catching up here, uh, beloved listener, it goes. I'll I'll quote the congresswoman. We're we're gonna die from all the cow farts. So Dr. Yeah. Mitt is trying to, you know what, not only is he looking for a solution to that, but but also 
you know, trying to fight the misinformation, yes. which is important as well. I mean, let's yes. get a solid effort here with real information. And and one of the reasons that I, I continue to turn to Dr. Mitlerner for information on this is he understands you've got to have economic incentive to stay in the business and to mm-hmm. pursue some of these emission reduction strategies. To pursue some of these emissions reductions strategies because, I mean, ultimately, everybody, somebody's got to pay for it. And if I'm writing a check, it needs to be something that I agree with. Looks like we've lost Chip, but that's okay. i got to get to the news anyway. We're way behind schedule. Uh, I've got a daily sale here. Private exporters reported sales of 198,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year. I'll have a little bit more on the wheats here and their response to that move. But let's move on to the National Weather Service outlook where excessive rainfall and flooding potential continues across the PNW for the next few days. Uh, more of these moderate upslope snows. I don't know what this is. Upslope snow <laughs> forecasts across the central Appalachians into Wednesday. Look out, Appalachians. It's going to get weird. And then a warming trend increases across the Great Plains through midweek. Good to have you back, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. It, it's just higher elevation snows. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, although I do like the idea of it, like, snowing up the hill. I don't know. There's something about that picture. Wheat (laughs) futures reached an 11-week high, primarily attributed to stronger-than-expected exports, with USDA on Monday confirming the sale of 440,000 metric tons of U.S. SRW wheat to China. The sale is particularly noteworthy as it marks the largest such purchase chip since 2020, and it reflects China's effort to reduce imports from the Black Sea region. I hadn't heard that China was going to make efforts to reduce imports from the Black Sea. Right, right. I, I the the only reason that they would is no, it, they're not making efforts to reduce imports from the Black Sea. The only reason they're importing less is because they can't get as much as what they have imported in the past. There you go. That's got to be the only reason. It's got to be. Yep. Yep. Well, Chip, excluding energy. Producer prices experienced a slight year-on-year decrease of 0.2% in October. This is noteworthy as it marks the first month of decline since October 2020. Okay, but if we put energy back in, I'm guessing those two-hundredths of a percentage point would uh, evaporate quickly. I think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we will have a conversation with Vince Malanga coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. Well, Brazil exported 5.2 million metric tons of soybeans in November, slightly topping the previous record for that month. For the first 11 months of 2023, Brazil exported nearly 98 million metric tons of soybeans, up almost 18% from the prior record two years ago. In other news, the CFTC is proposing federal guidelines for voluntary carbon credit derivatives seeking to bring order to a volatile market. The guidelines will call on exchanges to verify the quality of these derivatives, which are linked to financial instruments used by companies to offset emissions. I used a whole bunch of words there that I don't even know what they mean, chip derivatives in the, in the oh, I don't even know. I don't know. It's news. <laughs> Somebody knows what that means, right? Please tell me. <laughs> Holy smokes. I, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not the guy. I am not the guy. <laughs> we'll find the guy and get him on. The World Organization for Animal Health warned more testing of African swine fever vaccines is needed, triggered by Vietnam's plans to export doses in coming months. Nothing like rushing a vaccine to production, Chip. (laughs) In other news, France raised the risk level of highly pathogenic avian influenza to high from moderate on Tuesday 
After the detection of new cases of the disease, a chip the high-risk level implies all poultry should be kept inside on farms and additional security measures taken to avoid a spread of the disease. Uh, pfft, that's a mess for French poultry growers. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, a, it's a mess for us here in the United States, too, but mm. we're getting it done. Well, finally here, Argentine President-elect Javier Millet plans to introduce an omnibus bill during his investiture speech on December 10, which will be sent to Congress uh, the following day. The bill, expected to include various reforms, such as the removal of regulations to ease private company operations, tax reforms, labor reforms, privatization of state-owned companies, reduction of ministries and state institutions. Well, you see how it goes here. The purpose, to expedite the debate on multiple reforms while Malay's popularity is high, and these are some dramatic reforms, Chip. Yes, they certainly are. I mean, it it is it is something that we need to keep an eye on because it's going to get over to agriculture. I don't think there's any question about it. And this just in, upslope precipitation is just <laughs> another term for what is called orographic lifting. There. That clears it up, right? Orographic lifting. Orographic lifting. Frank Mentlerner next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk welcome back to agritalk i'm your host jim flory um, dr frank mintlerner is a professor and air quality specialist in the animal science department at the university of california in davis he is the director of the clear center clear is the clarity and leadership for environmental awareness and research at uc davis and dr frank joins us right now welcome back to agritalk it's great to talk with you again frank good morning Chip. i'm glad to be back great 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 okay methane and the messaging on methane from cop 28 in dubai seems i don't know if it's taking full center stage but it, methane seems to be getting more attention than what it has at past meetings. Why? Is it just methane's turn? So the main focus is still on fossil fuels and the resulting carbon dioxide that develops when you burn fossil fuels. But a close second is methane. Um, there is the so-called methane pledge that says that uh, the world needs to reduce 30% of that gas, 3-0 that is. 
And that puts it um, center stage. And one of the main sources for methane, for that particular gas, is agriculture, and here in particular, and here in particular, uh, animal agriculture or ruminants. And that's what puts us center stage as well. Okay. Um, it's it's led to some things that have raised eyebrows, some comments uh, from around the world. The UN calling for less meat consumption, and specifically, as I understand it, in the U.S. Would that accomplish the methane reduction goals that they have in place? You know, that's the 800-pound gorilla question. <clears throat> so if you believe in the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change analysis that says that 80%, 80, so the lion's share, 80% mm -hmm. of all livestock-related greenhouse gases globally stem from developing countries, so from countries like India or African countries, right. then in my opinion, that should be where the focus shall be. But the FAO says, no, we can't tell these poor people what to eat, and therefore we have to do it with the developed world. Right. Um, I don't think that this will get us to where we need to go. And the reason is that the people who can afford meat will continue to afford meat, and those who can't will, um, unfortunately, uh, and these are really the people who don't have much money in a country like the United States, will revert back to starchy stuff that leads to the uh, obesity epidemic that we have seen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so it, it, it doesn't sound to me like you are in support of the UN calls, calls for less meat consumption. I am in favor of working with farmers to reduce methane. Yes. And that's a big difference, okay? Rather than telling people what to eat, which has never worked before, we should work with and not against farmers to address this issue of methane. And we can do that. Here in California, we are well on our way of achieving a 40% reduction of methane from our dairy sector. And we are doing that by working with farmers, by working a voluntary incentive-based approach. And that means if you reduce methane, you get paid for it. And believe it or not, this current approach does work. Okay. So how are you doing that? You said the methane emissions reduced by 40, 40%, is that right? That is correct. So the state law is such that uh, our farmers have to reduce 40%. Um, the focus is on manure. And so... What happens here in the state is that more and more dairies are covering their dairy lagoons where the manure is stored, mm -hmm. and they're, cap they're capturing the so-called biogas, 60% of which, 60 60% of which is methane. And they are taking that biogas, they're cleaning it up and making it into, into transportation fuels for buses and heavy-duty trucks. And that receives carbon credits that are very sizable. And because of that, over 200 dairies have done it already and have achieved one-third of the state's climate goals already. Wow. Interesting. Now, five members of the Dairy Methane Action Alliance, I think I've got that right, they're, they're going to begin reporting methane emissions by mid-2024. They are going to write a methane action plan by the end of the year ahead. Agriculture would probably better be paying attention as this plan is being written, right, Dr. Mittlinger? Well, I can tell you this. 
this topic will not go away, regardless of what people think about it. It will not go away because the people who buy agricultural products, the Nestle's, the Starbucks, the McDonald's, and so on, they are asking uh, for reductions of these gases, and uh, they will buy their products uh, from supply chains that give them that data. So our farmers need to get ready for that. And what I'm telling policymakers is, we can achieve these strong reductions, which indeed have a strong impact on climate, by the way. We can achieve these reductions by working with our farmers. And let's not forget, farmers, the, the, in other words, the food sector and the health sector are the two most important pillars of society. We cannot afford to get rid of our food sector. To get rid of our farmers, we have to support them and work with them. Okay. You leave for Dubai, uh, I, as I understand, tomorrow, correct? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Okay. Uh, what have you got scheduled? What is and, and what is the most important message that you hope attendees of COP28 hear from you while you're there? I think maybe we've already touched on it. Yeah, we have touched in the past on one issue, which is we have to be able to quantify methane appropriately, okay? because that has not happened over the last 30 years. Secondly, we have to appreciate the importance of methane, but in order to reduce it meaningfully, uh, the consumption angle, in my opinion, is not the lever. The production lever is what counts, and that means we work with our farmers to reduce unwanted methane emissions, which is not just good for the environment, but it's also good for the pocketbook, because losing methane means losing energy. Methane is nothing other than natural gas. We don't want to just blow it in the air. We want to utilize it as fuel or as a source of power. So it's going to be about capturing methane rather than reducing the animal's production of methane. Is that what I'm hearing? No, it's both. It oh, is okay. capturing methane from the new, It's capturing methane from new storages, but it's also reducing it from digestive processes, let's say through the use of feed additives. There are now some feed additives that can reduce 10, 20, 30% of the methane that's belched out of the mouth. Or there are other approaches, for example, breeding. We know methane is a heritable trait. One animal, one, the mother passes it on to the next generation. And believe it or not, we can test whether or not a cow is a high or low methane producing animal and then we can select for the lower methane-emitting animals and therefore have permanent reductions of 20%, 30% in our herd. Now, these are approaches that our farmers can work with and always have. Okay. So dairy or beef or both? Uh, it seems to me that, that dairy is maybe the lower-hanging fruit when it comes to efforts to reduce to reduce the methane emissions? Well, I think, yes, it's relatively easier to reduce methane from dairies. Yeah. But I would say that beef is more in the crosshair of those people who want to right. um, use this angle on reducing greenhouse gases. And that's actually troublesome because the main source of methane from the beef supply chain, believe it or not, is the cow-calf operation, not yeah. the feedlot. It's the cow-calf operation because animals there eat high roughage diets and that lends itself to methane emissions. And these animals 
are not being treated or seen every day. They're not being fed every day. These animals are roaming around freely. Um, and so it's much more difficult to do something to those animals that reduces methane than to those animals in a conventional dairy that you milk, where you milk them twice or three times a day and you have access to them. Right, right. This seems like a task. It While it may not be impossible, but, but boy, this is a task that uh, uh, it, it's going to be difficult to accomplish, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you remember we've talked many times over the years, and I've, yeah. always, um, I've always told people, do not lose this out of sight. But guess what people did? They did lose it out of sight, and now we are running short on time. Gotcha. Um, but it's never, too late. it's never too late. I know that we can yeah. achieve our goals of reducing environmental impacts and at the same time uh, be economically viable. But we have to take this seriously now. This is not going Absolutely. away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Frank Mintlerner, Travel Safe. Look forward to a report when you get back. Thank you so much, Tip. All the best to you. You bet. Thank you. That is Dr. Frank Mintlerner from the University of California, Davis. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady joins us right now. Another wheat sale, Beach. Absolutely, Chip. Uh, SRW wheat uh, going out the door to China again, and uh, so that's given that market uh, price support. Uh, HRW and spring wheat futures are following along, but uh, clearly the uh, SRW market's the leader with that uh, Chinese demand. And, and uh, um, second day in a row, and, and both are, are relatively sizable um, sales. So um, definitely China being in the market uh, right now for wheat and, and especially U.S. SRW is price supportive. Uh, the strength in the wheat market spilling over to corn and, and corn's yep. uh, trying to work to the upside just a penny or two higher here at mid-morning, but uh, um, at least working to the upside there. Uh, the flip side is soybeans, and, and uh, they're under some pressure, and uh, the soy oil market is lower this morning. Uh, meals trading to the upside, but uh, beans are lower, and some spreading activity, not only within the soy complex, uh, but also soybeans and, and corn spreading as well. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, obviously, we need to keep a close watch on what's going on in Brazil and with the weather up in, in the central uh, or the northern production areas. But take us over to the livestock trade because we got a nice recovery going in feeder cattle. Yeah, so if you like volatility, you love the uh, the cattle market <laughs> at the moment. Uh, just, you know, it seems like uh, every single day is, is these huge price moves. Yep. And, and today's big price move happens to be to the upside on some corrective buying after yesterday. Uh, live cattle futures, they backed off of their earlier highs, still trading slightly to the upside. Uh, but they, like I said, they have backed well off their highs at the moment. And then in the hog market, uh, we're facing moderate to heavy pressure here at mid-morning. Yeah, first time in about five sessions in that hog market. So it is something to take note of. Thank you, Brian. Brian's going to be on this afternoon. Come back to 06 Central. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. 
To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this Tuesday morning. A very interesting conversation with Dr. Frank Mintlerner. Uh, as he gets ready to travel over to Dubai for COP28. Uh, yeah, it, it's like like he said, Davis, the the reason that we're paying attention, the big reason that we're paying mm-hmm. attention is because mm-hmm. this isn't going away. Yeah. This is, is going to be an issue in the future, and we need to understand what it is, why it is, and... Mm-hmm what you can do to benefit from it that's well, that's the bottom line maybe i'm being silly here but at the same time it'd be great to have a delicious juicy source of protein <laughs> in our lives as well right just yes. saying amen to that mm-hmm. amen mm-hmm. to that all right let's get on to the economy dr vince malanga president of LaSalle economics is our guest now vince it's good to talk with you again how are you Good. I'm having a juicy steak for lunch this afternoon. Attaboy. Attaboy. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yep. So, Vince, here's the deal. It's a thought process that's been going through my head. And when I read your letter this weekend, I, um, I, I have questions. And here, the marketplace has swung very quickly from more rate hikes are coming to hold rates higher for longer to eh, maybe a rate cut sometime in 2024 to a rate cut coming in March of 2024. This feels like a big shift in attitude in a relatively short period of time. If Have I got that read right? Uh, yeah, it has been a big shift uh, in attitude. You know, it started in September in September, when interest rates were up at 5% on the 10-year, the view was, well, the Fed won't have to tighten anymore because the long end of the bond market is doing its work for them. Okay. But right after that, of course, the inflation numbers started to come in better than was generally expected. And there was some evidence out there that the economy was starting to slow. And I think both of those developments are building some momentum now. I think we'll probably see a... Uh, relatively weak employment report on Friday, and uh, we're going to see good inflation numbers right around the the time the Fed meets uh, on December 12 and 13. (laughs) You know, one of the the not-so-subtle indicators is continuing jobless claims. And what that basically reflects is not so much new firings, but the fact that people that are unemployed are staying unemployed longer. 
and that's been going up pretty significantly in here. So there are a lot of indications out here that the, that the labor market is softening up. Historically, when the unemployment rate goes up by more than a half a percent, uh, that signals a recession. <clears throat> We're right on the verge of that. And so I, that's, I think that's contributing to the psychology. Okay. Lots of stuff to get back to on that and and dig into a little bit deeper. Talk to me about the jobs market. Has there been enough deterioration? Well, first of all, watch the inflation numbers. I think you're going to see okay. a marked, a marked, a dramatic slowdown in inflation here in the next two or three months, uh, and that will give indications that the Fed is at its two percent target. And if the Fed is at its two percent target, number one, it's going to be very hard pressed to make a case for tightening. And number two, it will contribute to the notion that if they're not going to tighten, once they finish tightening, they ease. Okay. Okay, so talk to me about the jobs market then. A couple of things. Has there been enough deterioration in the jobs market to tell the Fed that it's time to start cutting rates? Well, I think there are indications uh, that there are. We're moving in that direction. We're not there yet. Uh, it'll probably take a couple of months, uh, but these things can sneak up on you pretty quickly. Uh, and so I think you're going to see a lot of evidence in here over the next two or three months uh, to support the case, uh, certainly for no more tightening. Uh, and if there's no more tightening, as I say, uh, the generally the next move is easing. And let's not forget that 2024 is an election year. Uh, the Fed don't want, doesn't want to have a recession so if the indicators are really pointing toward softness, uh, that would urge them to even ease even more, you know, even faster. Okay. What about wages? Are wages, if they're not keeping up with inflation right now, will they be, say, by the end of the first quarter? Well, if I'm right on in inflation in here over the next three or four months, you're not going to need much wage growth in order to have real wage increases because inflation is going to come down so hard. And as they say, you could be, you could see on a three month rolling basis inflation being under 2% uh, over the next two or three months. Uh, so wages will, uh, wages will turn positive in real terms even if they're not rising significantly in nominal terms. Okay. Let's go to the housing market. Um, anything in the housing market that's telling the Fed to cut rates? Well, you know, mortgage rates, mortgage rates have come down quite a bit, along with Treasury yields, along with the entire bond structure. Uh, and, you know, in the last three or four weeks, you've had about a 15% increase uh, in mortgage purchase applications. Uh, the interesting thing is going to be is that if mortgage rates level off or decline a little bit further, but you don't see much in the way of further stimulus and mortgage applications, that would be a strong sign. Uh, that would be another factor contributing to uh, why the Fed should ease. Okay. So we're you not know, there yet. We have to watch over the next three or four weeks. Yep, yep. Now you've you've made the comment a couple of times uh if you don't if you don't raise interest rates it may be time to start reducing interest rates. Why not just leave them where they're at for a period of time if, if you're a fed governor? Well, two things. Number one, history and <laughs> whether history is relevant or not is a whole nother question. But history shows 
that once the Fed stops raising interest rates, the time between the, the, the time span between when they stop raising and when they start cutting is pretty short. Okay. So on the basis of history, that's why you're building the expectation that they're going to ease. Okay. It may be that you've got the ultimate soft landing, and therefore they don't have to do anything. But if inflation continues to come down, then in effect that is a form of tightening in that real interest yep. rates will be rising, yep. even if nominal rates are held the same. And so that would be another argument for why they should cut nominal rates. Okay. All right. You know, it, the, the the market is certainly starting to anticipate a rate cut sometime, what, in March of, of 2024? Uh, I, think the, I think the aggressive ones, I think the aggressive ones are looking toward March. Okay. Could come you know, sooner. The, you know, there's a meeting in December, uh, then there's a meeting in the beginning of February, and then there's a meeting in the middle of March. Beginning of February is probably too aggressive, but, you know, by March, you could have enough deterioration uh, that might lead them to want to ease. Personally, I think that's a little too aggressive. Okay. I could see something in the spring, uh, but I think that's the direction in which we're headed. That's that's the kind of perspective that I'm looking for right there. Because, you know, the Fed waited way too long to address inflation. Um, and the the idea that the Fed is going to move quickly then to loosen monetary policy is, I, I think, is too hopeful. I, at some point, higher interest rates are going to choke down economic activity. It, it's probably going to feel like a crash landing rather than a soft landing for the economy before the Fed starts to cut rates, right? Well, you know, that's the, that you could argue the other way. They missed it on the upside. If they miss it on the downside, they'll really look foolish. Uh, and so that would be an argument for why they might want to be more aggressive sooner. And okay. let's not forget it's an election year. Yeah. You know, I, they'll, there'll be a lot of political pressure uh, placed on the Fed this so, summer if the economy is slipping into a real recession. Okay, so Vince, if you were sitting in a Biden campaign meeting, would you tell him to keep pushing the Bidenomics message? <laughs> Spend till the cows come home, deficits be damned. If I were in the Biden camp, I would tell them, listen, the deficit is running out of control. We need, we need to take prudent steps in order to address it. Uh, but nobody seems inclined to uh, care about that. Of yeah. course, if I were in the Biden camp, too, I wouldn't have been telling them to just ignore the Supreme Court and go ahead and uh, eliminate student loans. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the GDP, what does this all mean for GDP? Are we going to see growth? Well, I think GDP is going to be pretty flat in the current quarter, uh, okay. something between zero and two percent. And I would say you're probably looking at the same in the in the first quarter, uh, but the risks may now be on the downside. Okay, because I would think that that part of the reason that we would get an interest rate reduction is if the economy needs some in, some incentive to grow more quickly. And I don't know if we're going to get there in the first quarter. 
these things tend to happen faster rather than slower. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Vince, it's always an education when we get you on here, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay, Chip. Take care. You bet. That is Dr. Vince Malanga, president of LaSalle Economics. So when it comes to the economy, things happen faster than what we might expect them to. So can the Fed adjust to that? Will Congress adjust to that? I don't know. Davis and I will be right back. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Glad you've joined us this morning. Your pal Davis Michelson here, along with celebrity broadcast professional Chip Flory. Chip, good morning. <laughs> okay, good morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I got a stat here. Okay. And I'm I'm just going to sort of put it out there because I've heard this argument uh, with the uh, the methane emissions and the cows. Okay. And I just I just want to put some numbers on this yep. for some of those folks who might pursue this argument. According to uh, statistics keeper Statista, all right. Okay. In 2021, they had the world bovine population. Somewhere around 996 million cows. Okay. 996 million. Okay. I've heard people say, when the prairies were carpeted with bison, mm-hmm. why didn't we have global warming then? Right. If methane is such a problem, why wasn't it a problem then when they were, you know, we weren't around to regulate these right. bovine, you know? Right. What did they do without us? Mm-hmm. Um, the let me make sure and cite my source correctly here. I've got the Texas, yes, Texas Parks and Wildlife okay. puts the uh, American bison population in the year 1500 okay. at an estimated 30 to 60 million bison yeah. living in North America. Right. Which is right. far less than the 996 million cows a, in the world estimated by Statista. Yeah, yeah. call it a billion. I mean, there's yep. 400 million in India. There's 300 mm-hmm. million in Brazil. Okay? I mean, mm-hmm. Brazil and India, when you look at the bovine population, uh, India is far out in front as the largest uh, uh, cattle herd. And, uh, you know, I should say bovine because... 
you know, they're talking about water buffalo and right. everything. Everything. Yep. Um, so, and then you've got Brazil and a huge cattle population. And there it, it is cattle, uh, but a huge cattle population in Brazil that that when the the efforts to control emissions from bovine if you're going to make any real progress on doing so it's got to start in india and it's got to start in brazil that's where it's got to happen um and the, Euro- the european mm-hmm. union yeah mm-hmm. uh the u.s sure but you know it's like two percent of global greenhouse emissions Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. It, I could see Brazil being a, a willing adapter. They're you know yep. they're down. Whatever. Sure. Um, India, I think whether they want to comply or not, I don't think it's a question. Right. Uh, you know, and one thing, once you've deified the bovines, you're you're going to capture the emissions. And I don't know. It just seems weird. They're like so hands off with, with right. cattle. I don't know. Exactly. That's a tough exactly. one. Exactly. You know, but it's like um it, it's it's like Dr. Mintlerner said, uh when you've got the world's biggest distributors of food, mm-hmm. uh that being the fast food distributors, fast food chains, when you've got them behind the effort to reduce emissions, uh you you can you can doubt their their motivations you can doubt the goals and whether or not you're going to get there or not but i wouldn't doubt their commitment to mm-hmm. having an impact on uh, on emissions yes and they're going to try they're going to well, try and it's it's good business if you ask me because uh, if something doesn't happen, we could find ourselves in a situation where we're not even talking about capturing methane emissions. We're talking about making hamburger patties from chemicals right? because it's cleaner for the environment, never mind what right. it does to us. Exactly. Don't get me started. Or growing them in a Petri dish in a lab. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, not interested. Yeah. Not Aurographic lifting. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. Aurographic <laughs> lifting. Is that A-U-R-O? Graphic? No. O R O graphic. Orographic. Orographic, yes. <laughs> it's Oro. just it's just a flat wind being pushed up because it ran into a mountain. Yeah. And and as it is pushed higher, mm-hmm. the moisture in the air condenses and falls as precipitation. That would be I'm, your upslope snow. I'm gonna try and find a way to get the word orographic into conversation at some point. Well, I mean, I I've already a... done it here. I'm going to have to do it at the grocery store or something. <laughs> <laughs> you get over the broccoli and the little sprinklers turn on. Ooh, this could be an orographic flow. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, no, it's just the sprinklers. No, just the just sprinklers. The sprinklers. <laughs> just the sprinklers. That's Malanga right. on the economy. Uh, is the yeah. yield curve inverted still at this point? Uh, the short-term and long-term bonds? Oh, boy. No, I don't believe so. Okay. Okay. Well, got to like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. And the the market 
is reflecting, um, I think is reflecting what, what Vince described as the most optimistic outlook that Mm -hmm. by the time we get to February, they're going to be thinking, Hey, this is a possibility that we're going to see a rate cut. He didn't back away from the potential for, what did he say? The more aggressive ones will be levering for a rate cut, perhaps in March, 2024. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, when you hear that, the the market does move, and I'm talking about the treasury markets here. Treasury markets do move well in advance of, uh, you know, anything that the Fed has done, especially this Fed, the Powell Fed. So, I don't know if he can get the timing right. I think. You know, because the timing was so bad on the inflation, I I just don't know if he can, if he's going to get the timing right or not. All right, thank you so much for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. Conversation with Brian Grady, editor at Pearl Farmer. Looking forward to the conversation with Brian. And tomorrow morning here on AgriTalk, we're going to have a farmer forum, and we will have a conversation about the Ag Economy Barometer with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue.